Chapter 18 of Dawn of the Morning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Hale. Dawn of the Morning by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter 18. The next morning, the rooster's crowing under her window awakened her, and for the moment she thought she was back in school with the barnyard not far away but other and unfamiliar sounds and odors brought her back to realities and she remembered she was a lone traveller putting up at an inn she lay still for some time thinking over the strangeness of it all and the tragic happenings of the last few days the thought of charles brought tears to her eyes the dearness and loss of him came over her as it had not had time to do while she was hurrying on her way but this morning for the first time she felt that she was far from everyone who knew her and hidden securely so that she could never be found and that she might look her life in the face and know what it all meant it was inevitable that in reviewing her life the first and largest part of all should be charles and her brief but sweet acquaintance with him that she was his wife thrilled her with unspeakable joy the fact that she had deliberately renounced him took away to some extent the sting of the manner in which she had been married as she thought it all over she realized that the only real shame in the whole affair was that she had been about to marry harrington winthrop when her heart was full of fear and hatred for him she seemed to see many things in a new light in fact the child had become a woman in the space of a few days and she understood life better though it was still one vast perplexity one thing remained of all the past and that was the memory of the love of charles even the remembrance of her dear mother was dimmed by it it seemed to be the one eternal fact which stood out clearly and in the light of which she must hereafter live that he had been generous and kind enough to marry her for the sake of relieving her from humiliation as his mother had intimated only made don love him the more but because of the generosity of that act she must never trouble him again she had renounced him it was the least she could do for him under the circumstances in return for his great kindness but whatever happened she must be true to his memory and be such that he would always be proud of her if he should chance ever to hear of her though she meant to take care that he did not if she had been a little older and wiser if she had understood the ways of the world better she would not have been so sure that she was taking the most direct way to reward charles for his kindness to her but she did not understand and so was sincere and earnest in her mistaken way of being loyal to him one thing however made her glad she felt that no matter how far apart they might be during the rest of their lives they had understood each other and their souls had met in a deep sweet joy as she thought of that moment before supper at his home when he had held her in that close embrace and laid his face upon hers and kissed her the sweetness and the pain of it were too much for her and with a sharp cry she hid her face in her pillow and wept bitterly it never occurred to her poor little pilgrim 
that he might be grieving just as deeply over her absence and the mystery of her whereabouts as was she for him or she would have flown to him in spite of all mothers-in-law and made him glad the tempest of her grief swept over her like a summer storm and was gone at her age she could not grieve long over what had been hers so briefly that it had scarcely become tangible but as it had been the dearest happening of her life and the only bright thing in her girlhood it took the form of a mount of vision from which ever after she was to draw her inspiration for the doing of the monotonous tasks of life she arose and washed away the marks of the tears and dressed herself carefully in her green silk for church arranging her hair demurely on top of her head with the curls as little in evidence as possible she wished to look old and dignified as befitted a person travelling by herself and looking for a chance to teach school the village was a pretty one and she walked down the street to the church her heart went out to it as she sat in the tall pew where the beetle placed her she glanced shyly around at the people who came in and wished she might stop here and get something to do yet her heart shrank from any attempt to speak to them or beg their help a lady came in leading a little girl by the hand a sweet-faced child with a chubby face and ringlets in clusters on either cheek held there by her fine white dunstable straw bonnet with its moss rosebuds and face rouge of soft lace after they were seated across the aisle the little girl leaned over her mother and stared at dawn then smiled shyly and the young wanderer felt that she had one friend in this strange place a sudden loneliness gripped her heart and she wished she were a little girl again sitting by her mother's side how many many times she had wished that the last few months the thought made her heart ache it was so old a hurt she felt the smart of tears that wanted to swim out and blind her vision but she straightened up and tried to look dignified remembering that she was a woman now a married woman she wondered would it be wrong to pretend as she used to do at school sometimes she wanted to pretend that charles sat by her side the two going to their first church service together she decided there would be no harm in that and moved a little nearer to the corner to make room for her dear companion it gave her a happy sense of not being alone and she glanced up now and then as if he were there and she were watching him proudly it was not hard to imagine him she was good at such things it thrilled her to think how his arm would be close to hers his sleeve touching her hand perhaps as he held the hymn book for her to sing with him and to think that if only her marriage had been like others she would in all probability have been singing beside him in his home church at this very minute the thought of it almost brought the tears there were no hymn books in the little village church but the minister lined the hymn out and dawn stood up to sing with the rest her clear voice lifting the tune till people near her turned to look at the sweet face she tried to think that charles was singing by her side but when they came to the stanza when we asunder part it gives us inward pain but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again it was almost too much for her and she had to wink hard to keep back the tears for it came over her that she could not hope to meet charles again 
and must go on with the being asunder always the minister had gray hair and a kindly face he preached about comfort and dawn felt as if it were meant for her as she listened an idea came to her she would go to the minister and ask him to help her find a school ministers knew about such things she went to the afternoon service also and after it was over two or three women shook hands with her looked curiously admiringly at her rich silk gown and asked her if she were a stranger she smiled and nodded shyly then the minister came and shook hands with her and brought his tired-looking wife to speak to her she watched them go across the churchyard together and up the steps of the old parsonage the minister seemed tired too but there was sympathy between the two that seemed to rest them both when they looked at each other and smiled it touched the girl wife here were two who had walked together yet who seemed to be agreed and to be happy in each other's company she felt instinctively from the minister's face that he would never have sent his wife away from his home no matter what she had done he would not have thought she had done anything wrong in the first place it came to dawn that perhaps it had been her father's quick temper and hasty judgment that had made all the trouble for her mother she remembered lately an unutterably sad expression about his eyes perhaps he was feeling sorry about it and ashamed it made the girl have a tender feeling for the father she had never really loved she pitied him that he must live with her stepmother she had not as yet connected mrs van rensselaer with her own present predicament her main sensations were dislike for her father's second wife and thankfulness that she was out of her jurisdiction it remained for deeper reflection to tell dawn just how much her stepmother was to blame for her having been married to one man supposing all the time that he was another the next morning quite early dawn attired herself in her little gray frock and tied her bonnet neatly then leaving her bundle in her room ready to move in case her mission failed she presented herself at the parsonage and asked to see the minister she was shown into the study where the good man sat in a big haircloth chair by the open window reading he received her kindly and gave her a chair i've come to see whether you can help me to find something to do she began shyly my mother is dead and i must earn my own living i have relatives to whom i should be a burden and i have come away so that they will not be troubled with me she had thought out during the night watches just what to say the minister looked at her keenly and kindly through his spectacles long experience had made him a good judge of character he saw nothing but guileless innocence in the sweet young face what is your name he asked by way of preliminary dawn's face flushed slightly but she had anticipated this question i should like to be called mary montgomery she said shyly it is not my real name but my relatives might be mortified if they should hear of my being at work they are very proud and would not like to have their name mixed up with one who works besides if they should hear of my being here this way they would think that they must come after me and take care of me and i don't wish them to i want to be independent 
she gave the minister a most engaging smile which put a well-rounded period to her plea how do i know that you have not run away he asked her half smiling himself oh i have run away answered don frankly i knew they would try to keep me if i told them but i left word i had gone and they will not worry they do not love me they wanted me to stay only because they felt it a duty to care for me and they will be greatly relieved to be rid of me without any trouble that is why i came you see they told me as much and it was very uncomfortable you would not want to stay where you knew you were in the way would you don looked into the old minister's eyes with her own wide lovely ones and won his heart she reminded him of his little girl who had died i suppose not he said in a half amused tone but don't you think it would be better for you to confide in me just tell me your real name and where you come from and all about it and then i can help you better i shall be able to recommend you you know thank you no said don decidingly getting up as if that ended the matter if i told you that and then you were asked if i were here you would have to say yes then too if you knew you might think it was your duty to let my friends know where i am now you have no responsibility about it at all don't you see but i don't want to make you any trouble if you don't know of some work i might do here i will go elsewhere i can surely find something to do without telling my real name i know i am doing right you were so kind when you spoke to me yesterday that i thought i would come and ask though i had intended going on this morning wait said the minister sit down what do you want to do what kind of work are you fitted for i have been educated at a good school said don sitting down and putting on a quaint little business-like air which made the minister smile did you ever teach school there was much hesitation in the minister's voice he was not altogether sure he was doing right to suggest the idea she was such a child in looks no but i could replied don confidently and oh i should like it it is just what i want i love to show people how to do things and make them learn correctly i used to help the girls at school there was great eagerness in her face the minister thought how lovely she was and again that fleeting likeness to his dead child gripped his heart you are very young he mused watching the changing expression on her face and thinking that his child would have been about the girl's age i am almost seventeen said don drawing herself up gravely our village schoolmaster left very suddenly last week to go to his invalid mother's bedside and it may be some months before his return indeed it is possible that he will not come back at all he intimated as much before he left we have not had opportunity as yet to find another teacher and the school has been dismissed for a few days until we can look about for a substitute oh will you let me try dawn sat on the edge of her chair her hands clasped her lovely eyes pleading eagerly but some of the scholars are larger than you are that will not matter responded dawn undaunted i could always make the girls at school do what i wanted there are some big boys who might make you a good deal of trouble went on the minister our school has the name of being a hard one to discipline 
we have always had a man at its head. I am not afraid, said Dawn, fire in her eyes. I should like to try, if you will let me. You cannot tell whether I can do it unless you let me try. That is true, agreed the minister gravely. I suppose there would be no harm in your trying. I could talk with the trustees about it, though the matter has been practically left to me. Oh, then please, please try me. I am sure I can do it, Don pleaded, and the look of his dead child's eyes in her face conquered the minister's scruples. Very well, I will try you, he said, after a thoughtful pause. I will see the trustees and have the notices put up at once. School will open tomorrow morning, but I warn you it will be no easy task. I feel that it will be an extremely doubtful experiment. Oh, thank you, cried Dawn, her eyes bright with anticipation. I am not afraid, and I shall do my best. I am sure I can teach a school. Poor child, thought the minister. Am I doing right to send her into such a trial? Aloud, he only said, You will receive sixteen dollars a month, and will board around, Miss Montgomery. Don looked up at the new name she had chosen, and saw a twinkle in his eye. She smiled in recognition of his acceptance of it. "'Where are you stopping?' he asked. "'I am at the Golden Swan,' she answered. "'I can stay there a little while yet. I have a little money, though it will not last many weeks.' She wrinkled her sweet face into dimples and smiled at him, as if having no money were a matter of little consequence. He admired her courage, and— Bending upon her a look of benediction, he said kindly, We will arrange the matter of boarding as soon as possible. I will see Mrs. Gillette, the wife of the proprietor of the Golden Swan. They have a daughter in school, and possibly their two boys will attend also, though sometimes at this time of year they are both out working on the farm. But the Gillettes always take the teacher for their share of the term. Dawn went smiling down the parsonage path. It seemed to her the larkspurs had grown bluer, and the verbenas pinker, since she came up a few minutes before. And her feet fairly danced down the street. She was so happy over her good fortune. It was like a beautiful story, the way it was turning out. She had no apprehensions about her ability to handle the village school, for she had no experience of what bad boys could be. So... There was nothing to cloud her bright day, save now and then a brief pang of longing for Charles. For the most part, her mind was too much filled with anticipation of the morrow to have room for thoughts of the past. She went to the Golden Swan and told Mrs. Gillette that she was to remain there for a few days at least. Then she found the village store and made a few simple purchases, among them needles, thread, and a thimble. Then she chose material for an apron and hurried home to make it. The school teacher she had known had always worn aprons. They were a badge of office, but the apron she made was not like friend Ruth's. It was small and coquettish and edged with a tiny ruffle. Dawn knew how to sew beautifully, for that had been one of the accomplishments friend Ruth required of all her pupils. With a pair of borrowed scissors, the young girl fashioned the garment and cut the tiny ruffles, rolling the hums as she had been taught to do, and scratching the gather scientifically. By night, she had a dainty little apron ready to wear to school. It was a frivolous bit of a thing, 
but it filled her with delight for it was such an apron she had always wanted and desired but had not been allowed to have while in school simplicity held sway where friend ruth ruled at the supper-table it was whispered around that a new school-teacher had come to town there were notices up at the corners and all the cross-roads school was to take up on the morrow some of the people at the table looked suspiciously at the pretty young stranger sitting demurely by herself at the end of the table and wondered if she were the new teacher but others said no she was entirely too young after supper don went to the big book wherein were registered the names of the guests and wrote down mary montgomery in a clear round hand mr gillette watched her carefully out of the corner of his eye as he saw her about to turn away he said gruffly put down the place we like to know where our folks belongs oh said don a pink flush stealing into her cheek what should she put then quick as a flash she thought i have adopted a name why should i not adopt a home too i am on my way to new york if i do not remain here i shall go there if i can get there i will choose new york for my home it is a large place and no one will expect me to know everyone there besides it will also stand for new york state so without another word she wrote new york beside her name she might as well have written heaven for it stood to her as a kind of final destination far away and pleasant the only place now that she could look to for a real home you ain't the new school marm be you inquired the worthy proprietor of the golden swan cautiously why yes said don happily conscious and laughing merrily to think of the word school marm as applied to her who but yesterday was a scholar now you don't say said the proprietor settling back in his chair and putting his feet on the office table in front of him while he shoved up his spectacles to get a better view of her some said as how you was but i couldn't think it you look so young oh i'm quite old said don anxiously i'm far older than i look and she hurried away lest she should be questioned further it was soon noised abroad that the new teacher was stopping at the golden swan and many a villager dropped in to have a look at her but she was nowhere in evidence up in the little whitewashed chamber with her candle lighted and the shades drawn she was standing before her tiny looking-glass arrayed in her new beruffled apron and trying to look grave and dignified and as much like friend ruth as possible if charles could have seen her all absorbed his heart would have been sadly cast down to see how little she seemed to miss him but later when she had put out her candle and crept into her bed she sobbed a long time into her pillow with loneliness and excitement End of chapter 18